0: I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill Fantasy Football Podcast, and now a videocast as well. Here we are in our second season, and you can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio.com, uh, Libsum, wherever you get your podcasts. And now you can also see the videocast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel, or easiest way to do it, find the links for all of this at kramerandbrill.com. Just go to the website, kramerandbrill.com. We'll have everything for you. That is the easiest way. Well, my co-host, of course, is former Bears and Lions quarterback Eric Kramer. And wow, what a way to kick off the NFL fantasy season. Anything but a fantasy. In fact, we wish it was all a dream. Eric, the pandemic's really thrown a wrench into what was going to be a changing NFL season anyway. So what do your sources tell us about how the NFL players are going to handle all this?
1: Well, I think the the word that I got that everybody is adapting to now in the NFL is adaptable. So all the teams right now are doing just that. They're everything from they're all having training camp at their own facilities, which actually the Bears were going to do anyway, prior to the pandemic happening. And I think as the season goes on, there's things that crop up like what we've seen so far in the other professional leagues where let's say a Saturday before a Sunday game on the COVID testing, there's a rash of positives. So I posed this question to the guy at the Bears and he said, well, we actually did have that. Remember when Matthew Stafford got a false positive? Well, so did about half the Bears team on a Saturday night. So what would have been before, say a Sunday game in the regular season, only it turned out to be false positive. So reacting under the terms of thinking it was an actual positive on many, for many players, they had to make some adjustments to the point where they had to switch practice to the canceled practice for Sunday and then brought it, was going to, they scheduled it for come back uh, Monday or Tuesday. So this guy that I know with the bears said, okay, let's say this is a regular season. Not only are we going to have to be adaptable, but, the television networks are going to have to be, too. So let's say we had a noon game. So in Chicago, they're on central time. Games are either at noon or 3 p.m. If we had a noon game and all of a sudden we get all these false positives, the networks are going to have to be able to potentially push it back to 3 p.m. And then, you know, or say they reached out for another day and then it comes back as false positives. Well, they can take that 3 p.m. G- or noon game and switch it to possibly 3 p.m. The other thing that, uh, you know, they're not going to have to deal with, at least in the beginning of the season, is um, fans. So that also is, would be, if should they have started with fans and say they're going to sell out all these stadiums to reschedule games, they're going to have to take that in consideration, which now, like Major League Baseball and the NBA played in front of no fans, they won't have that consideration.
0: Well, you know, we have another uh, issue just as important situation to deal with. The NFL, like the other leagues, is dealing with the social justice issue of the day, and that speaks volumes for the players. As we know, the Black Lives Matter movement, which really kicked into high gear after the George Floyd murder, has been front and center for most of the major sports. The NBA and the NFL support a majority of black players who have taken this issue to heart. But even baseball, which has a very low percentage of African-American players, has been heavily involved. The issue was recognized uh, you know, back in your playing days, too, but nothing
1: like today, right? No, nothing like today. In fact, uh, this is a historical time. It's never before. Uh, if you think about the history of race relations in this country, it's been deplorable. Um, and yet it's never been ever addressed like this. And so I think this is because of that. Um, I think the, and I'm speaking, I guess, I hope not at a turn because I'm, I'm white and I'm, this is not a, a situation that has negatively impacted me throughout my life. Um, so I think the black community as a whole, not just by any particular professional sports league, but just as a community in general across the country and for the his- the history of black people in America, in this country, I think that that's why, you know, the, the moment is right now. And I think a lot of uh, people around the country, um, Uh, within the black community see that as this is a very uh, important moment to not lose the opportunity to keep this um, the the national consciousness uh, very wrapped around this central issue. And so I think this is, it's bound to come up. It has to come up in the NFL season. And uh, I think the players um, are going to, you know, seize any opportunity they have to make use of that, state uh, that uh, situation and i think that the commissioner and the league uh and all of the teams combined are going to have to be ready to deal with that and it sounds like they're making preparations we'll just see how to, how that all plays out once something actually does come to the forefront
0: well, let's move right into the fantasy season you know there's been a lot of major changes tom brady's in tampa bay joined by leonard fournette Cam Newton has replaced Brady in New England. The Raiders move to Las Vegas. Joe Burrow takes over the reins for Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. Big Ben is healthy again and ready to test the elbow to cut his season short in Pittsburgh. Adrian Peterson's in Detroit. Keenan Allen gets an $80 million contract. Josh Rosen's on Tampa Bay's practice squad. The Steelers have waved quarterback Duck Hodges and Paxton Lynch, then re-signed Joshua Dobbs, who they traded a few years ago, and then kept wide receiver Ryan Switzer. Third round pick of the Raiders, Lynn Bowden Jr. Didn't even make it to September. The Raiders quickly admitting a mistake by sending him to the Dolphins. Mitch Trubisky, one of your favorite guys, is still in Chicago. Joe Flacco's a jet. Hakeem Butler, cut. Mohamed Sanu and Lamar Miller were cut by the Patriots. Philip Rivers is a Colt. Frank Gore is a Jet. And pushing a lackluster Le'Veon Bell. And Patrick Mahomes is still in Kansas City. And the Eagles signed 41-year-old quarterback Josh McCown to the practice squad, proving once again there's still hope for Eric Kramer to come back to the NFL.
1: Old guy's rule, dude. Well, I guess in McCown's case they do, but might, not in my case, because I have to pass the physical, or at least I would, and that's not going to happen. Uh, but – Yeah, at 55, no, I'm done. Um, But I think, you know, you mentioned Mitchell Trubisky, and, you know, last year I thought the Bears made a mistake in not letting Chase Daniel play longer into the season once Trubisky hurt his shoulder. Um, And almost like they rushed him back in, and for what? Uh, I don't get it. And I think Trubisky is going to be the benefactor this year of – uh, the unfortunate circumstances of the COVID pandemic in that it forced every NFL team to have no off season and with no off season on field and in the meeting room, that's why I think Nick Foles lost his quarterback competition because he didn't get the chance to show what he can do throughout a full off season, then through training camp, which got abbreviated. And then with no preseason games, I think there was no way, but Trubisky, win the outcome of this quarterback competition. Myself, I was involved in one back in my first year with the Bears of 94, in which I got hurt and had, and then Steve Walsh came in and led our team to the playoffs. So the following year in 95, leading up to that year, uh, Dave Wonsack came to us and said, hey, we're going to make this a full out quarterback competition. And I'm not going to decide this until the very end. And he didn't. And it turned out, that that whole off season and during training camp uh, it forced me not that I wouldn't have anyway, but it forced me uh, to, I guess, be evaluated daily. And I was, and it was, the result of it was we had offensively had a great season and I was, I guess, as you look back, very productive in terms of breaking several bears passing records. And I think missing that, I think is going to, I'd say hurt Trubisky in the long run because I think in the short run, had he been able to compete along with Foles, who knows who would have won that competition at start of the season.
0: You know, uh, I want to point out too
1: that you still hold
0: those Bears passing records.
1: <laughs> well, you know, thankfully, I mean, it's uh, for whatever reason that is, I don't know, but at least uh, you're right. Maybe it gives uh, you know they're going to get broken at some point, but uh, I guess in a way for me, it's been nice to hold on to something there in Chicago for several years. Yeah.
0: Well, Eric's going to take a look at the 10 fantasy impact breakout players that he expects to have uh, uh, those breakout years this
1: year. Go ahead. All right. Well, I think starting with the overall number one pick this year in Joe Burrow out of LSU going to the Bengals who had a, you know, have had kind of a horrible, I'd say decade plus, especially last year. And now he comes in and in my opinion, in 20 years, I don't think I've seen a more NFL ready. I know that's kind of a, a, a quote that people use with players coming out of college, but as a quarterback, I, don't, I haven't seen one in at least in 20 years come out that looks as good as Joe Burrow potentially could be this year. I think he'll avoid a lot of the NFL rookie mistakes that a lot of quarterbacks fall into. Um, and he's got plenty of uh, weapons around him, starting with AJ Green and Joe Mixon, who just signed a new deal. And I think that's, uh, you know, maybe not to start of the year, but at least halfway and possibly two-thirds into the season, Joe Burrow could look like maybe a top-end quarterback, at, you know, at least wait maybe to finish the year and then moving ahead on into next year. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, also, here with the Lions, you know, last year before his uh, season got cut short due to injury, he was on pace to be one of the top two or three quarterbacks statistically in the NFL. And I think that's only going to get stronger this year. Uh, you and I both were going to high on TJ Hawkinson coming out of Iowa, and as a tight end. So now he's healthy. Uh, you've got a strong running game combined with uh, is a yeah Carrion Johnson and then uh, Swift out of Georgia, and Galladay's proven himself to be a, a you know a, a very fast and, and uh, potent weapon on the outside. So I think Stafford is going to jump in and, and I think elevate his game. I hate to say it this year because they do start out with the Bears in week one, but I think throughout the season, Stafford's going to step into that role as a top-tier fantasy football quarterback very nicely. You know, I last, was- last year, you, uh, you were really high. Uh, you were really
0: high on Daniel Jones early. Matter of fact, I remember you uh, saying, like, second, third week, get Eli Manning out of there and get um, uh,
1: Daniel Jones in. Well, uh, thanks for pointing that out, and I think that, uh, you know, he's got a good cast around him, especially, you know, Saquon Barkley. Everybody can see the talent he's got. Hopefully, he won't get injured as much this year as he did last year. He's an incredible... I'm Bob Brill. He's
0: Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill Fantasy Football Podcast, and now a video cast as well. Here we are in our second season, and you can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio.com, uh, Lypsum, wherever you get your podcast. And now you can also see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel. Or easiest way to do it, find the links for all of this at kramerandbrill.com. Just go to the website, kramerandbrill.com. We'll have everything for you. That is the easiest way. My co-host, of course, is former Bears and Lions quarterback, Eric Kramer. And, wow, what a way to kick off the NFL fantasy season. Anything but a fantasy. In fact, we wish it was all a dream. Eric, the pandemic's really thrown a wrench into what was going to be a changing NFL season anyway. So, what do your sources tell us about how
1: the NFL players are going to handle all this? Well... I think the the word that I got that everybody is adapting to now in the NFL is adaptable. So all the teams right now are doing just that. They're everything from, they're all having training camp at their own facilities, which actually the bears were going to do anyway, prior to the pandemic happening. And I think as the season goes on, there's things that crop up like what we've seen so far in the other professional leagues where let's say a Saturday before A Sunday game on the COVID testing, there's a rash of positives. So I posed this question to the guy at the Bears and he said, well, we actually did have that. Remember when Matthew Stafford got a false positive? Well, so did about half the Bears team on a Saturday night. So what would have been before, say, a Sunday game in the regular season, only it turned out to be false positive. So reacting under the terms of thinking it was an actual positive on many for many players they had to make some adjustments to the point where they had to switch practice to the canceled practice for Sunday and then brought it was gonna they scheduled it for come back uh Monday or Tuesday so this guy that I know with the Bears said okay let's say this is a regular season not only are we gonna have to be adaptable but the television networks are going to have to be too. So let's say we had a noon game. So in Chicago, they're on central time. Games are either at noon or 3 p.m. If we had a noon game and all of a sudden we get all these false positives, the networks are going to have to be able to potentially push it back to 3 p.m. And then, you know, or say they reached other for another day and then it comes back as false positives. Well, they can take that 3 p.m. G- or noon game and switch it to possibly 3 p.m. The other thing that, uh, you know, they're not going to have to deal with, at least in the beginning of the season, is um, fans. So that also is, would be, if should they have started with fans and say they're going to sell out all these stadiums to reschedule games, they're going to have to take that in consideration, which now, like Major League Baseball and the NBA, played in front of no fans, they won't have that consideration.
0: Well, you know, we have another uh, issue just as important situation to deal with. The NFL, like the other leagues, is dealing with the social justice issue of the day, and that speaks volumes for the players. As we know, the Black Lives Matter movement, which really kicked into high gear after the George Floyd murder, has been front and center for most of the major sports. The NBA and the NFL support a majority of black players who have taken this issue to heart. But even baseball, which has a very low percentage of African-American players, has been heavily involved. The issue was recognized uh, you know, back in
1: your playing days, too, but nothing like today, right? No, nothing like today. In fact, uh, this is a historical time. It's never before, uh, if you think about the history of race relations in this country, it's been deplorable. Um, And yet it's never been ever addressed like this. And so I think this is, because of that, um, I think the, and I'm speaking, I guess, I hope not at a turn because I'm, I'm white and I'm, this is not a, a situation that has negatively impacted me throughout my life. Um, so I think the black community as a whole, not just by any particular professional sports league, but just as a community in general across the country and for the, the history of black people in America, in this country, I think that that's why, you know, the, the moment is right now. And I think a lot of uh, people around the country, um, within the black community see that as this is a very uh, important moment to not lose the opportunity to keep this um, the the national consciousness uh, very wrapped around this central issue. And so I think this is, it's bound to come up. It has to come up in the NFL season. And uh, I think the players um, are going to, you know, seize any opportunity they have to make use of that, uh, that uh, situation and I think that the commissioner and the league uh, and all of the teams combined are going to have to be ready to deal with that and it sounds like they're making preparations we'll just see how, to, how that all plays out once something actually does come to the forefront
0: well, let's move right into the fantasy season you know there's been a lot of major changes Tom Brady's in Tampa Bay joined by Leonard Fournette Cam Newton has replaced Brady in New England. The Raiders move to Las Vegas. Joe Burrow takes over the reins for Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. Big Ben is healthy again and ready to test the elbow to cut his season short in Pittsburgh. Adrian Peterson's in Detroit. Keenan Allen gets an $80 million contract. Josh Rosen's on Tampa Bay's practice squad. The Steelers have waived quarterback Duck Hodges and Paxton Lynch, then re-signed Joshua Dobbs, who they traded a few years ago, and then kept wide receiver Ryan Switzer. Third round pick of the Raiders, Lynn Bowden Jr. Didn't even make it to September. The Raiders quickly admitting a mistake by sending him to the Dolphins. Mitch Trubisky, one of your favorite guys, is still in Chicago. Joe Flacco's a jet. Hakeem Butler, cut. Mohamed Sanu and Lamar Miller were cut by the Patriots. Philip Rivers is a Colt. Frank Gore is a Jet. And pushing a lackluster Le'Veon Bell. And Patrick Mahomes is still in Kansas City. And the Eagles signed 41-year-old quarterback Josh McCown to the practice squad, proving once again there's still hope for Eric Kramer to
1: come back to the NFL. Old guy's rule, dude. Well, <laughs> I guess in McCown's case they do, but it might, not in my case, because I you have to pass the physical, or at least I would, and that's not going to happen. Uh, but – Yeah, at 55, no, I'm done. Um, But I think, you know, you mentioned Mitchell Trubisky, and, you know, last year I thought the Bears made a mistake in not letting Chase Daniel play longer into the season once Trubisky hurt his shoulder. Um, And almost like they rushed him back in, and for what? Uh, I don't get it. And I think Trubisky is going to be the benefactor this year of – uh, the unfortunate circumstances of the COVID pandemic in that it forced every NFL team to have no off season, And with no offseason on field and in the meeting room, that's why I think Nick Foles lost his quarterback competition because he didn't get the chance to show what he can do throughout a full offseason, then through training camp, which got abbreviated, and then with no preseason games. I think there was no way but Trubisky win the outcome of this quarterback competition. Myself, I was involved in one back in my first year with the Bears of 94, in which I got hurt and had, and then Steve Walsh came in and led our team to the playoffs. So the following year in 95, leading up to that year, uh, Dave Wonsack came to us and said, hey, we're going to make this a full out quarterback comp- competition. And I'm not going to decide this until the very end. And he didn't. And it turned out that that whole off season and during training camp, uh, it forced me, not that I wouldn't have anyway, but it forced me uh, to, I guess, be evaluated daily. And I was, and it was, the result of it was we had offensively had a great season. And I was, I guess, as you look back, very productive in terms of breaking several bears passing records. And I think missing that, I think is going to, I'd say hurt Trubisky in the long run because I think in the short run, had he been able to compete along with Foles, who knows who would have won that competition at the start of the season. You know, uh, I want to point out too that you still hold
0: those Bears passing records.
1: <laughs> well, you know, thankfully, I mean, it's uh, for whatever reason that is, I don't know, but at least uh, you're right. Maybe it gives uh, you know they're going to get broken at some point, but uh, I guess in a way. For me, it's been nice to hold on to something there in Chicago for several years. Yeah.
0: Well, Eric's going to take a look at the ten fantasy impact breakout players that he expects to have uh, uh, those breakout years this year. Go ahead.
1: All right. Well, I think starting with the overall number one pick this year in Joe Burrow out of LSU, going to the Bengals, who had a you know have had kind of a horrible, I'd say, decade plus, especially last year, and now he comes in, and in my opinion, in twenty years. I don't think I've seen a more NFL ready. I know that's kind of a, a, a quote that people use with players coming out of college, but as a quarterback, I, I haven't seen one in at least in 20 years come out that looks as good as Joe Burrow potentially could be this year. I think he'll avoid a lot of the NFL rookie mistakes that a lot of quarterbacks fall into. Um, and he's got plenty of uh, weapons around him, starting with AJ Green and Joe Mixon, who just signed a new deal. And I think that's, uh, you know, maybe not to start of the year, but at least halfway and possibly two-thirds into the season, Joe Burrow could look like maybe a top-end quarterback, you know, at least wait maybe to finish the year and then moving ahead on into next year. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, also, here with the Lions, you know, last year before his uh, season got cut short due to injury, he was on pace to be one of the top two or three quarterbacks statistically in the NFL. And I think that's only going to get stronger this year. Uh, you and I both—we're were high on TJ Hawkinson coming out of Iowa, and as a tight end. So now he's healthy. Uh, you've got a strong running game combined with—is uh, it yeah—Kerryon Johnson and then uh, Swift out of Georgia, and Galladay has proven himself to be a, a you know a, a very fast and, and uh, potent weapon on the outside. So I think Stafford is going to jump in and, and I think elevate his game. I hate to say it this year because they do start out with the Bears in week one, but I think throughout the season, Stafford's going to step into that role as a top-tier fantasy football quarterback very nicely. You know, I last,
0: it- last year, yeah, you were really high. Uh, you were really high on Daniel Jones early. Matter of fact, I remember you uh, saying, like, second, third week, get Eli Banning out of there and
1: get um, uh, Daniel Jones in. Well, uh, thanks for pointing that out. And I think that, uh, you know, he's got a good cast around him, especially, you know, Saquon Barkley. Everybody can see the talent he's got. Hopefully he won't get injured as much this year as he did last year. He's an incredible weapon, both running the ball and receiving out of the backfield. Uh, I think Daniel Jones just has that look of somebody that is going to play this game at a high level for a long time. And it started out of the gate. And uh, I think that's – it's only going to get better for him, not worse. And, uh, you know, he not only, as you pointed out, not only did he replace a quarterback, he replaced a Manning quarterback who's already won a couple of Super Bowls. So it wasn't like uh, Daniel Jones just had it all handed to him coming out of the gate. He earned it. And so I think that's what we're going to see more of this year. One guy I think that's going to take, well, not a step backward. I don't think he's going to have the rebound year a lot of people are anticipating, and that's Baker Mayfield. I didn't think he was worthy of the number one overall pick coming out of uh, Oklahoma in, you know, what, two years ago that the Browns made him that choice. He does have a lot of weapons, just as he did last year. He's going to have a new coaching staff, but I think he's still the same Baker Mayfield in that he tends to force some things when just a simple play might be there. Maybe a play that the receiver is short of the first down, but throw it to him anyway, see if he can make yards after the catch, and if not, punt the ball. That's something Baker Mayfield really did not have a lot of patience to do last year, possibly thinking he needs to live up to the billing of, you know, this number one pick status that he has and will always have. Um, But I think that uh, I don't see out of him the consistency it's going to take to be that guy that every week throughout a football and 16-game season and beyond is going to be that productive. Another one I think that's gonna fall short a little bit of people's expectations, excuse me, is Gardner Minshew. Uh, Yes, he did replace Nick Foles because Nick Foles hurt his shoulder Uh, and Gardner Minshew certainly is capable of showing flashes at times. He's an excellent uh, athlete that can improvise, but I think the consistency comes week in and week out through this league of being able to make great consistent decisions And sometimes that great decision is to not fit a ball into tight coverage. It's to throw it over the receiver's head and maybe out of bounds and punt. Um, And, you know, but the the Jaguars, I think, uh, if you look around everybody's opinion coming into the season, the general consensus is they're going to be in line and probably the lead in that line of getting Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick coming out of Clemson this year. So I think Gardner Minshew might be playing, I think, feeling he needs to uh, prove himself as to what might happen next year with the draft. And I think that might add to some of the pressure he feels. And, and again, the downturn he makes next year. Uh, Another name I'll throw out there is Rob Gronkowski. And (laughs) I was excited to see thinking maybe he might come back halfway through the season next Uh, year. I remember that every week, every week you did. That didn't happen obviously, but now he's teamed up with Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay and I think everybody's excited about all of the uh, weapons that Brady's now gonna have that he didn't have for a decade plus in New England and Gronkowski being one of them. I just think that with the new surrounding city of Tampa Bay, with a new playbook, uh, with new weapons around him that he still got, he still has to reform form a consistent uh, chemistry with all of them as well. And I think Gronkowski, for the reasons he went into retirement, which he was, he felt beat up. I don't think he's going to feel less beat up just because he took a year off. I think he's still going to be that same guy. He's going to have flashes of great plays followed by, you know, uh, plays or or, uh, game the rest of that game. And then games beyond where he doesn't show up with, you know, large fantasy statistical numbers. Um, You know, one guy I think also that could have a breakout, year this year as a rookie which a lot of them don't many don't uh, is Clyde Edwards Hilaire with Kansas City Chiefs and we all know about uh, what a great play Carla Andy Reid is we all know about how they probably have the best quarterback I've ever seen at least after Joe Montana in Patrick Mahomes and uh, just ridiculous amount of uh, weapons around and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is stepping into the running back position where there's nobody to compete with. It's going to be his job from day one. And he's a fantastic, versatile running back who's just as good receiving out of the backfield as he is running the football. And I just think that's going to be a great uh, pairing there with Patrick Mahomes and the rest of that offense. Um, another guy you were high on last year with the Seahawks is DK Metcalf. I don't love know DK he Metcalf. Right? Probably the best, I think um, – receiver talent-wise that Russell Wilson has ever had to throw to. And it seems like average or what are thought to be less than maybe top tier receivers always end up having a great year with Russell Wilson. Uh And so, you know, you would think back to uh golden Tate um and some of the other receivers, Doug Baldwin that have had, you know, would they have had great careers or great seasons on other teams? I don't know. But I think DK Metcalf uh, fits the bill for a traditionally fantastic-looking prospect and had some great moments last year that I think are going to build on into the future, starting with this one. Another guy that I'll mention, too, and going back to the Kansas City Chiefs, is uh, McCole Hardner. And everybody knows that that team is loaded with not just talent, but speed at every position. And uh, I don't care if we're talking about tight end or Tyreek Hill at receiver, but McCall Hardman's one of the fastest people on the Chiefs, which means he's one of the fastest players in the league. And I think he's going to become more of a consistent threat down the field. Remember, he's got a quarterback that's accurate up to maybe 70, 75 yards. So if you can get back, which McCall Hardman has no problem getting deep and and being fast down the field, I think they're going to find more uh, ways to make him a consistent part of this offense and a big threat as well. Uh, the last one I'll, I'll mention here is Jonu Smith, and that's the tight end down in Tennessee who everybody knows about the breakout uh, year. I guess from a playoff standpoint, that Derrick Henry had in the running game. But Jonu Smith, uh, I think, showed uh, the NFL as a league, and certainly I uh, noticed the production he had because he's got—he's a great—he's a tight end. First of all, it looks like a receiver running routes, and yes, they are a, a run-heavy offense. But I think Johnny Smith is going to give him that dimension down the middle of the field that play action is going to bring. Once you've got Derrick Henry in that running game, W. Smith is going to be the, the recipient of the production of down the field throws that that offense and the running game bring. Well, I'm glad to hear you
0: point that out because um, my wife drafted W. Smith last year and she asked me if she should keep him this year. And I said, yes. And so... <laughs> <laughs> you're going yes. to make me look good this year. Well, let's yeah, get to the I game probably. to the key players. We're going to skip uh, Texas and Chiefs on Thursday night because we've already talked about Patrick Mahomes and, and Clyde Edwards-Hillier. But the Sunday games, we're starting off with something really unusual. The Eagles at the Washington football team, the artist formerly known as the Redskins, uh, they don't have a team name yet. Uh, Carson Wentz trying to prove he's for real again against a lackluster and hapless Washington team, which doesn't
1: even know what their own name is. So I, I look for Le- uh, Wentz to really, Light it up. I would say so too. And I and, and you mentioned how Carson Wentz is trying to prove he's the real thing. I think around the league, they look at Carson Wentz as the real thing. I don't really think he has anything to prove. If you think back to last year, given all the injuries the receivers and running backs went through, and yet because of Wentz, in large part, they won that division. So I think the the Washington football team, uh, you know, starting with just The name itself that's been a source of um, uh, disrespect, I would say, around the country outside of the NFL. Then you've got what's going on with Daniel Snyder and that front office um, and and the bad publicity that that culture around that team has brought. I think that the Eagles, uh, even though they're playing on the road this week, I I like them. You've you've got, uh, you know, I think they're a healthy receiving core now. And I think that's what this team has, has been needing and is now, now they have. Combine that with a, a stellar defense still. And I think that that's a recipe for the Eagles to win this game.
0: Packers at Vikings. So I got to ask you, is this the year we finally stop calling Aaron Rodgers a QB1? I, I mean, I think Kirk Cousins outplays him even without Stephon Diggs and Dalvin Cook is solid. But I got to think about Rodgers. You know, I mean, he's getting up there in age. He's, you know, he's got a, does he have a better cast
1: around him this year? I would say that the Packers, um, quietly, I guess, have built a fantastic defense. I mean, they're really good. They've come to rely on and establish a very good running game. Um, they've got Devontae Adams outside, and beyond him, you know, Jimmy Graham now plays for the Bears, and, and Jimmy um, Graham is not the old Jimmy Graham. He's and he's not even, well, and he's not a longer Packer. But I'm I'm saying that the the weapons uh, receiving wise that the Packers once had, I don't think are there. Uh, and and Rodgers, as you mentioned, he's getting a little bit older now. And I think their winning formula—you know—they ended up in the NFC Championship game last year not because of Aaron Rodgers playing, you know, putting up fantastic numbers through the you know latter part of the year last year. In fact, it was just the opposite. There was really no great fantasy football numbers out of Aaron Rodgers uh, late in the year. So I think. I think you're onto something there. I think the Packers, um, you know, they're on the road against Minnesota. I think that's an offense that Kirk Cousins has now has grown into and become a key figure and a part of. Even without Stefan Diggs, I think they do the, enough good things offensively and defensively to win that game.
0: You know, Colts to Jaguars, to me, the only interesting thing here is Phillip Rivers. And I think against the Jags, we see the start of – Good things for Rivers. Maybe he only has a year left, maybe two. I mean, his competitiveness has just got to keep him up there. He's got to show that. And I, I like him as a fantasy player.
1: I, I like him as a former NC State quarterback. <laughs> I wouldn't say I would like him as a fantasy player because, I, uh, you know, I think they're going to – you know, Frank uh, Reich, the head coach, is, mm-hmm. is a smart guy and is someone that when I was playing, he was the backup in Buffalo for many years. And I think he's found the formula for the Colts as they've got an exceptional defense. They've got, they've, they're building a solid running game. I think Phillip Rivers at this point in his career is really a guy that's going to come in and maybe get them the two or three extra wins that they didn't get last year because there was so much upheaval at their quarterback spot.
0: You know, Bears and Lions, uh, Lions
1: are really loaded up this year. I think
0: some good young players, they have a year under their belt. Uh, I I like Matt Stafford, as you mentioned earlier, Hawkinson, I'm sold on. And I really am sold on uh, DeAndre Swift, the the new running back for them, even though, you know, he's probably not going to be number one, at least not the start, uh, because uh, you've got, uh, you know, so really good starting running back ahead of him, uh, but the Bears, you know, I I don't know what to say about the Bears. Uh, you know, the Bears are um, the defense. I do. Go ahead. I, I know you do, and I'm going to let you. <laughs> i to get a word here. Uh, the thing about the Bears is, you know, they had that great defensive last year, and it it didn't happen from the beginning. They had a lot of problems all year. Uh, they still, you know, they were. I don't know. Well, well Bears, you
1: tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just say this. If you think back to their opening game last year, was that a Monday night game against the Packers or Sunday yes, night? No, it was a
0: Thursday night, right?
1: Thursday night. Okay. We, we were there because um, we, we were there at uh, the restaurant uh, together at that game. Oh, okay, okay. Well, they, you know, if you think back to the game uh, that was just completely dominated by the Bears defense and uh, Khalil Mack in particular, who had not even – he had one practice, maybe, mm-hmm. before that game, and and yet the Bears still lost because offensively they just – they were so bad. And I don't see that changing this year. I think the Lions, as you mentioned, I think they're going to be improved not only offensively but defensively too because that's where Matt Patricia – that's the whole reason he came in is because he had, you know, that reputation working with yeah. Dolceic all those years. So I think they're going to, I think the Lions are going to, um, they're not going to beat themselves. This is a game the Bears are going to have to win. It's going to be in, played in Detroit. Um, I don't think the Bears, given the fact that there's been no preseason games, there's been no off season to speak of. They've had three weeks of training camp. Um, I don't think offensively the Bears are coming into this game kind of on, you know, sort of the obvious uptick. They've been, they've had some injuries in the backfield. Um, you know, and they didn't have a great running game last year. So I think this game, if I have to give it to anybody before the game as, okay, this team's going to win, this team's going to lose, I'd say the Lions are going to win this game.
0: You know, I have to touch on
1: the Browns-Ravens only because, I mean, how can you overlook Lamar
0: Jackson? You have to start him, obviously. If you have any Ravens running backs, I think they're at least a flex play. And I'm I'm definitely not sold on Beckham, uh, you know, but how do you not start
1: Beckham if you have him on your team? Okay, well, I never would have drafted Beckham because of his quarterback. As I meant, as I kind of uh, you know alluded to earlier, I don't mm-hmm. think Baker Mayfield's the guy in Cleveland. And uh, if any receivers established himself with Baker Mayfield, it's been um, uh, Jarvis Landry. And so I I don't think you know that's going to change in the near future. Uh, and I think you know the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. I mean, everybody can see what a phenomenal year he had last year and how he kept improving and, and his game kept evolving throughout the year. The The one, I'd say, game that stood out as where he didn't come through was in the playoff loss. Right, um, But uh, I think, you know, that's the kind of thing that will fuel a Lamar Jackson to get better. That's all I've heard about all offseason uh, is that his – he didn't, he didn't really want to talk or care to talk about him winning the MVP. He was more focused on, I didn't play well enough in that last game to get us to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. So I think, um, you know, that's what the Ravens are all about as a team, and Lamar Jackson in particular. And that's why uh, this, to me, is an obvious uh, win for the Ravens. You know, Cardinals at the 49ers, I think only the 49ers' defense
0: is a real fantasy play here. Although I think you have to look at Matt Breida if you have him at least as a flex play. I do like George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, Kittle is a starter if you have him. Garoppolo, I'm, I'm not so sure, depending on who you got in front of him. But I think Breida is at least a flex, if if
1: in uh, even in deeper leagues. Well, the guy I'd like to focus on in this game is George Kittle. And uh, obviously, we've got a lot of uh, highly-drafted Iowa, former Iowa Hawkeye tight ends, Kittle being, I think, the cream of that crop. Um, and I think, you know, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, Kittle's going to perform. He's going he's to block the edge on all running plays. He's going to be their threat down the field on play action passes. You can't cover him one-on-one. I don't care who's on him. And he's kind of the, the, the emotional leader of that team. Um, and I think the Cardinals don't have an answer for that. I mean, I know, yes, they are uh, better defensively than I think a lot of people thought they would be, at least last year. Mm, and, uh, you know, I think this, this has the potential, I think, to be a competitive game, at least for the first maybe half to three quarters. But I think the 49ers and that running game, and that defense, that's, that's where the 49ers are going to win this game. Garoppolo, I think, is not going to hurt them at quarterback. And I think he's developed into that role of a quarterback that plays mistake free for the most part, doesn't hurt his team, but at the same time, Kyle Shanahan is not going to give him the reins to lose the game. And I think, and uh, I think that's something, that's a role that Garoppolo is going to have to increasingly get better at and become, you know, as efficient and maybe more efficient than he was last year so that that the the game and the balance of games will be put in his hands more often.
0: You know, the Bucks at the Saints, um, Tom Brady, of course, uh, you know, is only big there. We're talking about this game because of Tom Brady and and Drew Brees, of course. Or the other or guy, the yeah. Yeah, uh, but, you know, obviously those guys are plays, uh, you know – Tom Brady may not be a fantasy play uh, if, if you've got somebody else out there because his numbers haven't been all that great. But Ronald Jones, I think, is a play, even though they've got guys like Fournette and, and, and the rookie that they drafted. But, you know, Ronald Jones, I think, is a, at least a flex play, if nothing else. And if he's one of your top two running backs, I think you have to start him or look elsewhere maybe uh, in, in,
1: the, um, in, the, uh, in the pool. Well, I think, you know, you you brought up a good point. And the reason we're even talking about this game at all is because of Tom Brady. And uh, my personal feeling on how this season statistically or fantasy football-wise, how it's going to go for Brady, there's a lot of factors at play. First, he's got a new team in it. Not just a new team, but a new city. He's been in New England for 20 years. He's got a new offense. He's got a new offensive – he's got a new head coach who is the offensive coordinator, um, or at least in, in – Name, you know, uh, Byron Leftwich is, but I think the guy who sets this all up is uh, Bruce Arians. And I think there's a lot of great players, skill wise, around Tom Brady, including Rod Gronkowski. But I think it's going to take him some time to get comfortable within that system. And I think the latter, what, three, four, five years have not been great statistical years for Brady. He wins games and they go to Super Bowls but it's not because of he's putting up 5,000 yards as a passer every right. year. Um, and I think, is, is he even the best quarterback on the field in this game? Yeah, that's true. I, I don't think so. I think Drew Brees and that offense in New Orleans, that's a consistent year after year 5,000-yard-a-season passer and, you know, at or approaching 40 touchdowns a year. And every year he seems to get uh, – he seems to adapt to the game as it's evolved around him. He's never had a shortage of offensive weapons, right? And he's got a great caller in play play caller in uh, Sean Payton. So I think uh, at the end of this game, who wins the game may be up in question. But who comes out of this game statistically better? I think that's going to be Drew Brees. Cowboys at Rams. You got Dak and Zeke. They're up uh, full plays as is the Cowboys top
0: draft pick. I really think wide receiver CD lamb is a play here, even though they've got other weapons. The Rams are a shot. Uh, I, you know, golf is, is a play uh, any of the Ram wide outs are pretty much a play. Uh, so I, I think this, you know, the defenses,
1: you know, are in the middle of the pack. I would think, don't you, you know, the, the talk, I guess, I mean, the, the Rams have a new defensive coordinator, but they still have an unbelievable cast of players on defense. Um, uh, and led by Aaron Donald, and who I think, me personally, I think he's not just the best defensive player, but the best player in the NFL. And then on the other side, you've got uh, the Cowboys, who, you know, they're talking about them being the Super Bowl contender because of their great offensive line and exceptional defense. And Dak Prescott, who has done nothing but exceed expectations, maybe not his own. I think he's got great expectations for for himself. Uh, that may or may not be exceeded, but I don't think they are because I think he he wants a Super Bowl.
0: And, with no uh, contract
1: yet. <laughs> with no contract, but that hasn't stopped him from working hard to get there. Uh, so I think this is a game, it's played in LA. Um, it's going to be at the new SoFi Stadium. There won't be any fans there, but I think the Rams uh, are playing, you know, if you think of Sean McVay, he took a lot of heat, not not only for the Super Bowl loss, but for last season as a whole, which looked like the Rams regressed. And I think he's playing or is coaching anyway for the respectability that he earned early on as an unbelievable offensive coach and head coach that I think slipped a little bit last year. And I think he's playing or coaching to gain that respect back. So I I think the Rams Cowboys is going to be a great matchup. I think the Rams being at home uh, golf, I think is an excellent quarterback, but again, You know, can he do it without Todd Gurley this year? Uh, And so there's a lot of, I think, players within the Rams organization that are going to have been looking towards this game as a way to start what they hope to be is going to be a Super Bowl run. So I got to give this game to the Rams. You know, you know where I'm going to be on Monday night uh
0: Steelers at Giants uh they're playing in the Meadowlands uh Daniel Jones I don't think it's ready yet but I'm I'm in with you I think by mid-season he's gonna be a top-notch quarterback um the only other thing I can recommend for the Giants of course uh, obviously Saquon Barkley and I really like Sterling Shepard now for the Steelers defense certain I mean they didn't lose anything on defense they actually bolstered it Javon uh is gone but Hargrove but They actually bolstered that defense. And the question mark, the big question mark is, can Ben Roethlisberger come back and come back strong? Uh, He missed almost the entire season because of the elbow surgery. Uh, He's saying he's fine. The coaches are saying he's fine. You never know what's going on there. Uh, But I really do think he's ready. I think he's healthy. Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm betting he is, and I'm betting that that improves – what Juju Smith-Schuster does. And I also like James Conner, but as a flex at best. And I also like, but not early on, uh, Chase Claypool, who's their their top wide receiver pick. I really like this kid, very acrobatic. I think he's going to be an end zone target, maybe not the first week, maybe the first week. I don't know. But I think he's going to be one of those guys uh, who is just, you know, the tall athletic guy. You throw the ball up and hopefully he goes up against the defender and comes down with it in the end zone.
1: It's almost like you know this team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, even more now, since I was born. Out. I think you know. Well, I think uh, I guess along like you, you know, i I'm, I think Pittsburgh their their defense could just roll out every Sunday and be one of the top one or two defenses in the league. Um, which when I was playing, they were every year, and that's when Dick LeBeau was a defensive coordinator, and I think that. Um, you know, it's going to be a tough go for the Giants this week. But I think Daniel Jones is going to prove himself, not in fantasy numbers, but in decision-making, accuracy, all the things that he's shown me he can do consistently. I think he'll play well. I just think the Steelers are going to win the game uh, in part because of their defense, in part because of uh, James Conner as well, and the versatility he brings and the toughness he brings that running game. I think Ben Roethlisberger, you know, everybody like, like you want to know, how's he going to do? How's the elbow going to hold up? Well, it's going to hold up like it always has. It's repaired. If there was any problem or complaint about it, we'd have heard about it by now. And I think he's going to be just fine. He's been durable his whole career. He, you know, I think this beginning last year when he hurt himself and uh, lost that season, I think the fact that they've not had a – you know, uh, an off-season to be on the field. I think Ben Roethlisberger has used that to his advantage to rehab, to work out probably better and more often and more focused than he probably ever has, because he wants to answer those same questions that everybody is posing: Can he do it? Has he lost it? Does he have the same fire that he had when he won a couple of Super Bowls earlier in his career? And I think this is the the fuel that he's going to need. To come out and have not just a strong opening day, but throughout the season, I think you're going to see a renewed fire in Ben Roethlisberger.
0: I hope you're right, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: We'll ES- ESPN's uh, look at it uh, has
0: the Steelers going 12-4, and 4, tied with the Ravens, but losing twice to the Ravens, and then losing in the first round of the playoffs. Hopefully they're wrong. They're right about one thing, and hopefully they're wrong about another.
1: <laughs> All well, right,
0: it was an awfully good year losing the first round of the playoffs. I yeah, think. that that's well. As a, you know, in Steeler country, we look at it this way: if we don't win the Super Bowl, the season was a lost season. That's just kind of the way it is in Pittsburgh. It always has been. Mm-hmm. There you have it, another fantasy football week in the books. I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast and now a video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on Libsum, iTunes, Stitcher, Radio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. And now you can also see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way. Join us next time. So long.